0: Okay, this is take two because apparently the podcast I got uploaded got cut short on some platforms and it appears as if the file has been corrupted. So here I am, hopefully with new and improved take on the um, after school Satan Club. Um, And and like I said in the first one, I don't know if if you heard the first part. I think it was maybe like the first 20 minutes and then just cut out, which was weird because there's a whole other half of it. Um, But this is something that I wanted to talk about before we had taken off for um, vacation. Um, we were able to get away to someplace warm for a handful of days and enjoyed that, but it's good to be back. Um, and And before I took off, this thing circulated around... Uh, News outlets, the social media feeds about this after-school Satan Club that is being launched, or I guess apparently within the last week has been launched, um, at our very own Jane Addams Elementary School. Um, Not a school in LA, not a school in Seattle, not a school in Austin, Texas, or Miami, Florida, or Las Vegas, these big cities that are are progressive and liberal and aggressively uh, left-leaning. No, 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 not in those places. Um, but here in Moline, Illinois, there has been a uh, uh, the launch of an after-school Satan club, and and um, this is an important thing. There's been a lot of outrage about it. You see, uh, there's been a lot of chatter online, tons of. Uh, news outlets covering the story, um, and each one kind of telling you basically the same thing. Uh, I even saw that I think it was the Washington Post. It was something that was circulating the internet so thoroughly um, that they they brought out the fact checkers. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, Snopes.com used to be one of those things that they would verify um, if it's a true story or not, because a lot of times these headlines are sensationalized and. More and more, those sensational headlines are not just uh, satire, it's not just shock, it's actually real stuff, which happened to be um, the case with this after-school Satan Club. And so um, parents, uh, many of them, whether, uh, whether Christian parents uh, or, or nominal, and sort of have a, a sort of morality bone in their body, enough to know that, okay, association with something with the label of Satan, um, you know, that... That, that's probably not uh, a good thing. That's not a, a wholesome, uh, God-honoring thing if they have that inclination to think that far. Um, and so there's been a lot of shock and anger and outrage that something so explicitly evil could infiltrate uh, the public school system. And uh, on the other side of that, you have some people that are kind of playing it off like it's not that big of a deal. Um, come on, guys, you know, there there's rules. They They're able to do this, you know. Let's just not get all out of sorts about it, and and I think that both responses um, show a great deal of naivete um, I, t- to brush it off and be like, ah, it's not that big of a deal. I think that there's some naivety there, um, and, and for those that are shocked that something so evil could infiltrate the public school system, I I I, um, I don't maybe, maybe you've been missing a lot of what's been going on for the last twenty years in the public schools, the government schools. Um, and so I think that both of those responses are not r- great responses um, because if you look at, at at what's transpired in the last decade, two decades, three decades, I mean, you go back quite a ways actually um, to see the progression of this. And you look at this with any bit of sobriety, um, what's been going on in these government schools, this should not shock you. Um, this this should not be like working you over and I can't believe – you, you shouldn't be shocked by this at all. In fact – um, what you should be shocked by is that it took this long for this thing to catch up with us. Um, I'm kind of surprised that it didn't happen sooner um, with the introduction of of this after-school Satan Club. And so what's, what's been going on here? Let me, let me cover um, some of the facts. Is what I'm going to do is share a little bit of the facts of what's going on and, and kind of present the story. If you haven't caught up or you haven't heard about it, tell you what's been going on. Um, and then I want to help us think through the situation from a biblical perspective. And and what I think that this does is opens up a larger conversation, um, not about necessarily the after-school Satan Club, which hopefully you look at that and say, okay, that's just a bad idea. That's that's not going to be, um, if you're a Christian parent with kids in, in the this is a school system, that you would uh, permit your kid to be a part of. Um, but I do want to start... Inviting us into this conversation uh, of of what does this show us about the public school system? What does it show us? You know, and and I know that this is a topic that's going to be sensitive because uh, there are many parents, uh, families that are are sending their kids to public school. Um, there are we've got teachers and we've got um, we've got administrators and, and faculty um, in in within our church that are plugged into. The public school. And so I, I realize that this is a sensitive thing. I know whenever you start talking about public school, um, everybody has a sort of personal um, vested interest in the conversation. So I want to come at this, um, not be condescending, not be not be uh, condemning, but, but rather just op- sh- shine a light on something and talk through this from a biblical perspective. And I think to have this conversation... Um, we have to understand that um, not all of us are coming into this conversation with the ability to carry a biblical worldview. We might know things about the Bible— you might be familiar with the Bible, but there's a difference between Bible familiarity and a biblical worldview. Biblical worldview encompasses everything. Understand, seeks to understand how the Bible informs every square inch of our existence under the sun, um, and and the Bible doesn't just tell us about salvation, about how to get saved and how to get to heaven, and and talk about different theological talking points. Um, that that. That's a narrow scope of what the scriptures offer us, though it is an important scope. Uh, The Bible transcends all of those things, gets into the social dynamics, relational dynamics, through the household codes. We saw this when we were preaching through Ephesians and husbands. Husbands, um, lead. Husbands, love your wives as, as Christ loved the church. Lead her. Wives submit to your husbands. You see, parents, um, specifically the fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the fear and admonition, or the the padilla, which is the knowledge, the understanding of the Lord. Children, obey your parents; it'll go well for you. This is a, the first command with the promise, right? Um, slaves and and, and masters, there, there's all of these household co- codes that work themselves out in the social dynamics. Um, which you get into parenting. One of the big things that it talks about, uh, if you go back to Deuteronomy and, and the the Proverbs and Psalms, um, talks about educating our children. It's, it's, um, There is no book of education. It's something that's collectively um, picked up throughout the whole canon of Scripture Um, in New Testament. The command for parents, fathers, to bring up your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, the instruction of the Lord. Not just teaching them catechism questions, not just teaching them um, about uh, you know some scripture memory or or to church on Sunday and and doing Bible quiz stuff, but helping them understand how the scriptures, how the Lordship of Jesus impacts every peace. Of life. So you go from the, the, the social to the uh, relational to the political. How does government and the church interact together? How does the lordship of Jesus, when when um, Paul says in, in Colossians that Jesus is preeminent, that he's above all things, that, that everything else is subjected to him, um, how do we work that out from a political standpoint? How do we think about government? Um, what What is our interaction with government as Christians? We get into uh, ec- the economics. Um, h- how should we manage our money? How, how do we think about the economy um, and setting up a just system that enables uh, the most amount of flourishing um, with what we have available at our fingertips? Um, it gets into... Um, Let's see, what else? Where, where else can we go with this biblical worldview? Uh, obviously, the religious sector of, of worship and and morality and character and virtue, things of that nature, um, it, it's all encompassing here, this biblical worldview. So as we enter in this conversation about education and talking about public schools and what's going on with the after-school Satan Club, we, we may have to check our presuppositions here a little bit. Uh, we may have to, to ask this question, am I thinking about this biblically, or is this something that I've just adopted that I thought is the biblical way of thinking, and maybe maybe it's out of line with the scriptures. And so with humility, like I talked about um, in, in one of the previous episodes of Vision Drip, uh, of coming to the scriptures um, with a humble posture, eager to submit to the, the word of the Lord, um, not wrestle with it, not argue with it, not to combat with it, but to receive it for what it is and let it um, govern our our lives, and so with that, um, I want to move into this, and I, and I want to help us to think through this after school Satan club from a biblical uh, worldview, a biblical perspective. Um, how how we ought to um, engage with this? What do we make of it? Should there be concern for us? Um, are there bigger implications that that we need to start thinking about as far as what what does our involvement with the public school look like if this is something that is uh, available? It is, is an extracurricular thing. So. Let me start by laying out the facts here about what this is. What is this after-school Satan Club? Um, This whole thing started as flyers were circulated, little flyers with a little devil cartoon, a little moustached man with devil horns. He looks kind of friendly. Some guy from the Enlightenment, perhaps. Um, Inviting uh, the children... Uh, hey kids, let's have fun at After School Satan Club. And it talks about some of the activities that they're doing, logic, reason, puzzles, games, this, that, whatever. Basically, it's this after school program um, that's being launched um, that is is basically the uh, the counter, what do you call it, the counterpoint to uh, things like good news clubs or whatever e- other evangelical um youth after school programs that are going on where churches or or ministry organizations are stepping into the schools, after school programs, offering kids a place um, to do homework, to play games. you know, a lot of the the language is similar. Um, about what they're doing, Um, but with the Christian ones, obviously, they're speaking about uh, Jesus and matters of salvation, Uh, and and it's one of the things that the After School Satan Club uh, is critical about, and and they they see their mission as as, um, not to proselytize, not to gain converts um, to Satanism, um, which we'll talk more about some of their tenets here in a second, but to uh, invite kids into free inquiry and rationalism uh, on the scientific basis for what we know about the world around us, and then to give them an appreciation for the natural round, natural wonders surrounding them, not a fear of everlasting otherworldly horrors. And so they're they're making a mockery of um, sort some of the the evangelical groups that go in um, and. And preach the gospel to kids, and, and and the way that they see it from the satanist uh, perspective is there's a heavy. This is, I'm taking this right off their website. I'm quoting it mo- for the most part. A heavy emphasis on sin, obedience, punishment, hell, um, and, and this is part of the good news curriculum from 2011 that they are are reviewing in, in five thousand, one thousand. 250 mentions of these dark and bad things that how dare you talk to kids about this. And they say, here they say, children are told in a very personal term uh, that they are sinful, wicked, deceitful, and deserving of punishment, death, and eternity of suffering in hell. Now, of course, that's only part of the story. That's only the first half of the story, uh, which is true, that apart from Christ, um, we are in very personal very real sense. Everyone who is apart from Christ um, sinful, wicked, deceitful, deserving of punishment, death, and eternal hell. Th- those are biblical concepts as Christians, we don't need to shy away from that. We don't need to we don't need to tuck our tails between our legs and be embarrassed by, by this uh, of that first part of the story. but they ignore the whole reality is there's a way out of this that that um, that there is an answer for sin and, and deceitfulness and wickedness of heart and and the punishment and, and the, the wages of sin being death. And and the eternal punishment that comes uh, from participation and and living an unrepentant life um, in those things, the Good News Clubs testify to the Good News of the Gospel that apart from Jesus that is your future. But because of Christ, you have an incredibly bright, bright future. Now that's not how they see it, of course, and, and and we don't need to argue about it. Honestly, as Christians, we don't need to um, get in there and and start. Um, we don't need to start arguing about. You know, well, this is actually what we mean. Well, no, they don't want to understand. Um that that's part of it. Like the darkened understanding, the darkened hearts. They they the, their desire is to, to stay in the dark. So we don't necessarily need to defend this. We don't need to argue about this. But very clearly their strategy is going into schools where um, these good news clubs already are, are in existence and offering a counterpoint um, to this. Um, and, and, of course, this after-school Satan Club is hosted by the Satanic Temple. Um, it, it's an organization, uh a, this is where I'm not an expert on this, but I, I do know a little bit about it. Um, th- I think there there are two factions of um, Satanism, if you will. Um, there there is um, the Church of Satan, and there is the Satanic Temple. They're they're two different things. Do you think that they might be teammates? But it, it's much like a um, a, do- a denominational um, f- f- what do you call it uh, a squabble. Where they have have veered uh, apart, so they're not necessarily the same. Um, but you see in the Church of Satan that they they do have more of a a bent toward the occult. Um, neither one of the groups really claim to believe in Satan as if they they are really worshiping um, the fallen angel that that we as Christians have come to know as as Satan. Neither one of them. Claim to the real existence. Um the satanic, or excuse me, the Church of Satan, however, um they do have more of a bent towards the occult and believe in magic and dark powers and um tend to um ha- you know like that the dark phenomenon. They they're kind of into that. Um and so there there is some of that that wizardry and um the shenanigans we just call it like pagan shenanigans, um, that they are into and and quite, I think, quite dangerous. Um, to be involved with the Satanic Temple does not necessarily have the same sort of um, emphasis on the occult and the actual spirits. What they are doing is more; uh, it's a mockery of organized religion. Is really what it is. And so, what's what's the most offensive and what's the most you know shock value thing that they could be about that would get um, Christians and and other religious folk? Um, get their undies in a bundle about it. Well, we, we're going to say that we we are uh, advocates. Oops, there goes my phone. Um, of Satan, we, we if we have to choose sides, we're going to be on Satan's side because it sounds better to us than being on God's side. Um, and, and so that's kind of what they do. Now they're 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 um, like I said, it, it's not so much about Satan. It's not so much about the worship of Satan. Their goal is not to convert children to Satanism. The things that they're about, um, uh, are more like, um, let's see. I'm trying to find, here's what they say. Um the things that they're about here, here's theirs. we have publicly confronted hate groups fought the, for the uh, abolition of corporal punishment in public schools applied for equal representation when religious installations are placed on public property, which is interesting that I don't know. You may have not, not have realized this, that, that at the Illinois state Capitol every year, they do a nativity display. And because of this is part of the nature that we'll get into of, of being in a pluralistic society. Basically, if you do for one, for one, you got to do them for all. And so, um, there are all other kinds of displays in the Capitol over the holidays um, that represent different religious views and in the Illinois State Capitol I don't know if you saw this but there is a um, there is a statue um, that's that's hosted by the Satanic temple that is um what's the name of it I can't think of the the um the demonic God the 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 goat god of I don't know what it is um, Be- I'm drawing a blank here. Anyway, this this goat, God, demon, uh, is the demon's displayed in a wrapped in swaddling clothing, laying a manger, much like our Lord and Savior Jesus. Uh, and they're just making a mockery of it. And so, even here in Illinois, in the um, in, in the state building, there was a demonstration. There, there is this um, public installation, religious installation, placed here. Uh, so let me go on. They provide religious exemption and legal protection against laws uh, that unscientifically. So okay, here they're making a jab at um, pro-life, unscientifically restrict women's reproductive autonomy uh, uh, anatomy. Uh, no autonomy, both are related, um, exposed harmful pseudoscientific practitioners in the mental health care. They're probably taking a jab at, um, Christians, um, Orthodox Christians calling, um, people with same sex attraction to, um, to live faithfully to Jesus and abstain from sexual immorality, specifically in the homosexual, homosexual vein. Um, and, and the, you know, we go back into, um, calling people to that kind of obedience and, and, lumped into that is conversion therapy um, go on organized clubs along other religious after school here it is their after school Satan club in um, schools besieged by proselytizing organizations so they think it's bad that um, organizations go in there and proselytize and want to want to evangelize and and bring kids to a saving faith. Um, they think it, schools are being besieged, which is ironic because I think that's, that's very far from what's actually happening, um, within the public schools, um, and engage in other advocacy in, in accordance with our tenants. So that, that's what they're doing. So here's their mission statement. That's kind of what they're about. Um, but they have these seven fundamental, um, tenants that, that say, Hey, we're aligned. This is what we're about. Um, actually, let me, let me, I'll press pause on that because I'll come, I'll circle back around. Um, as these after-school Satan clubs, what they're offering um, for uh, these kids is, is a place to come in um, to play games, to, um, to to think about things uh, from a, a secular perspective. Um, they, they uphold reason and logic, and they talk about scientists or t- being scientific um, and, and all this stuff. Um, and and so that's what they're doing with these after-school. Um, school clubs, and and one of the big questions you hear about this, and uh, y- you know people are, are a bit flabbergasted. Is, Can they do this? Is this legal? Is it legal for something that that aligns themselves, even if just in the title of their their club, with Satan? Is it a, a la- Is it okay for them to do that? And yes, it is. It is okay because of how our system is set up. Living in a pluralistic society, meaning that that uh, more and more our society thinks that all um, all claims of truth are are some, in some ways equally true, um, that you cannot be biased. It's, it's wrong to give preference to what is true and what is good and what is beautiful. And so you have to make uh, concessions for everything else. You open up uh, for, you know, for a Christian club to get into schools and to do an after thing, after school thing Um if you do that for them, you got to do it for everybody, for for um, the Muslims, for the Buddhists, for even the Satan clubs. And so, yes, this is something that um, schools that it, that is legal. So you can call the the police office all you want; they can't do anything about it. Um, you can call your administrator all you want and say, "Hey, we don't like this." There's nothing they can do about it. Their hands are tied, which to me points to a deeper problem with the school system, because the school, if we're talking about educating um, and and all, all, the whole scope of what it means to educate, um, one of the things that education is for is to teach kids what is true and beautiful and good. Really, education is not about filling kids' minds up with information. It's teaching them what to love. It's about the loves and and schools get their hands tied because they cannot make a definitive statement about this being better than that because if you do that it's going to offend this party and then you, you got to play fairly for everybody and so this to me it expose a big, exposes a big problem that, that uh, government schools have that they can't put their foot down and say, this is true, this is right, this is good. A- and you can see this also surfacing in a lot of this transgenderism stuff that's going on in school. So uh, it used to be back in the day where, um, well, like, eating disorders were a big thing when I was uh, in high school, you know, what is it, 20-some years ago. Um about you know like a girl, a skinny girl comes into class. Um, her teacher, she she can see that uh, this this young lady is doing things that that are hurting her body. She's not eating. She's you know she's bulimic or she's got some sort of eating disorder that that is affecting her performance in the classroom and her overall health. Her teacher says to her, "What's going on? What what are you doing?" She opens up. Well, I I've been binging or I've been I've been starving myself. And the teacher then, um, you know, and the girl says, well, because I feel fat. I feel like I'm a fat girl. And she's like, you know, she's 95 pounds soaking wet or something. She's not a fat girl. By, By no stretch of the imagination is she on the chubby end of the spectrum. A teacher at that point could say with reason and logic, no, that's not true. We're going to take you to the guidance counselor. We're going to get you some help. We're going to start moving you in the right direction so that you now will live in line with reality, with the reality that you are not fat, that your body needs certain nutrients. It needs to be uh, curated a certain kind of way for it to flourish. Um, And and that was something the school system. Now now when a kid comes to a guidance counselor or goes to a teacher and says, you know, if they're, you know, born a boy, they go to their teacher and say, um, well, I feel like a girl. Um, and I want to start dressing like a girl, a teacher cannot, a guidance counselor cannot say, well, sorry, Johnny, we don't think that's a good idea because God has made you a boy, and we need to help you understand how to honor God um, by living into that, like, literally, a biological reality regardless of the way you feel. Schools can't put their foot down on this. They can't say, that is untrue, That that is that is insanity, um, for a child to say that. Now, of course, y- you want to approach those conversations. I'm, I'm speaking very—I'm uh, not speaking the way that I would speak to a kid that says, I'm struggling with this. Okay, you need to understand that. Um, and so I'm not coming in guns blazing. But but there has to be—the adult, the power, uh, the, the authority figure needs to be able to stand and say, this is true, this is right, this is good— and because of pluralism, because of schools have their hands tied, schools can't do that. They can't. They can't pick and choose and say, well, we think we can see that even even though that um, you know this Christian organization comes in and obviously they, they want to convince people and to, to think and to believe what they hold to as truth. There are other benefits that can come out of this as far as character development and virtue and, and temperance and all of these other things. And, and instead of where a, a satanic club comes in and and they would claim, oh, we're Doing the same things, uh, but but they're they're detached from any kind of morality. That's the uh, the irony of this thing is that these satanic clubs are detached from any kind of standard of morality um, of, of good and and what's right and what's virtuous they have no standard for that and so basically um, it, they're like jello you can't really nail them down and and they say this and then do that and and, and I'll, I'll point out some of the irony of this here in a second here um, but but that's that's basically what we got going on um, schools have their hands tied. Um, which is problematic. They can't stand for what is true and good and beautiful. They have to allow other organizations. They can't be, you know, can't can't have this preferential treatment. And, and I think that is is a concerning thing. That that if you're sending your skit kids to a school, you, you want them the school. You want to be able to trust that the school has the authority um, and also just the the uh, morality to say what is good and what is not good, and to advocate for that which is good and to push aside that which is is not good um, and so that is concerning as far as the schools having their hands tied and I, I know I've heard from inside sources the administration you know doesn't really love that this has come to the quad cities or, or the Moline school district I know the principal um, has vocalized not being happy about this and sort of the the whiplash and feedback uh, that they're getting from all of this and so uh, I, I realize that teachers you know having to deal with this and sort of defending well we have you know you know and so that's the other thing that needs to be said about this that this after school program is, is a third party program it's not something that the, that's being advocated by the the administration it's not being s- something advocated by the teachers um th- this flyer that's circulating um, I gotta take a drink here mm-hmm. that was gross I just dribbled everywhere um, these flyers were not, you know, mass distributed. They weren't sent home with every kid that is po- posted somewhere in a public lobby or in maybe the office. I can't, I'm not necessarily hundred percent clear on where it was exactly. Uh, and then if, if a child wanted to take it home, um, they could and get parental consent to participate in this. So the, the school is not sponsoring this. It's not part of the curriculum. Although, uh, The next thing I want to talk about is how similar a lot of public school curriculum is, uh, and how it is aligned with uh, what the after-school Satan Club or the Satanic Temple aligns themselves with, and that's just a generally a secular education. And what we have to realize, as Christians and just anybody in general, has to realize there is no such thing as neutral. Period. You don't get your news from a neutral source. There is motive somewhere. There is somebody that has money that is choosing to have the news represented in a certain way. Hopefully we've picked up on this by now. You understand that. Um, the same thing is true with schools. There is no such thing... in education. There's no such thing... Oh, my phone's blowing up. There's no such thing as a neutral education. Um, and in the schools... It used to be that there was some, you know, the public schools. I mean, you have to go back a long way um, to to when uh, there were Christian, maybe even a Bible class um, in the school, um, or there was uh, prayer, or some, you have to go back quite a ways. Um, the, the schools have been trending towards this what, we, what has been dubbed as the separation of church and state, and you just that is not something that that actually works um given how the, the fact that our Western civiliz- civilization is what it is because of the Christian faith. and I think that's something that that is being glossed over in the history books, something that has been overlooked, something that's getting downplayed a lot that that this this what we have set up in the Western world um just sort of magically happened and we can say that it didn't happen without any help from uh, from the Bible from Jesus, anything like that, that that's just that's totally un. Untrue, um, and so what? What's been going on over the the past few decades is this this uh, synchronism that's happening with um, clearly secular. Um, or, or in other words like anti-god or, or there's this sense where God has been detached from or Christ has been detached from the education um, system, the education uh, progression, the education curriculum. there's been this this overall divorce that's happened and what's what's happened is it, is not it's not that it's replaced with something neutral. It's something that's re- it's being replaced by something pagan. It's a secular education, any education that is detached from Christ, who um, in him all things move and live and have their being, um, the Christ who holds all things together, that was before all things, that made all things, that sustains all things, any kind of education that is devoid of that Christ is a partial and and, and um, incomplete education, um, and and... and And it doesn't just—it's not that you're just missing a piece, and you can plug it in at home. It's a totally, completely different um, sort of system of education that is godless and is not helpful for discipleship of our children. And and that's what we have to look at education as, and what I what I hope to start communicating through these podcasts and and sort of the vision that I have. not just me, but I think this is, this is Paul's multi-generational vision that we talked about in in Ephesians chapter 3, I believe, when he talks about um, that the glory of Christ, it would be in the church through all, all generations forever and ever, that we would start having this deep burden for the generations of wanting to see the kids that are brought up in the church stay with the church. And right now, the statistics are, are very alarming and scary and very sad, tragic, to see so many... Of uh, uh, of the kids who are brought up in the church, leaving the church, it's a staggering percent of kids. Uh, I think it's like seventy. I I'm, I might I have to I may have to come back and clarify this. It's it's. Upwards of 70% of kids that were raised up um, in the church, by the time they get to their sophomore year of college, they are doubt having serious doubts about their faith. And it's not because mom and dad didn't take them to, to church, which uh, you know maybe they didn't, um, and that's part of the reason. These are kids that a lot of them went to church every Sunday, that they were part of Sunday school, that they had some kind of, of training, whether it be catechism or confirmation class or something along those lines. But what's happened is that these kids have been educated been, um, educated in public schools that that are a secular education, detached from the lordship of Jesus, and, and, and all of these secular and liberal ideologies get, get sort of cr- like crammed into their education. This wokeism um, gets injected into where they, they get overexposed and oversaturated with those unbiblical ideas, and they think that those are more true than what the Bible has to say. And so there's danger here about the school systems and how this stuff—and so in that sense, when we hear about like these after school, um, you know something that's so explicitly evil and so explicitly secular infiltrating our public school systems. The reality is that this secular ideology has long been in the public school systems. Okay, let me let me just show you what I'm talking about because I'll go here to what um, the tenets, the fund the seven fundamental tenets um, that the uh, Satanic Temple, which is the organization that's ha- hosting this after-school Satan Club, hold to. One, um, one should. Strive to act with compassion and empathy toward all creatures in accordance with reason. Okay, now there's a problem with that because. What is the standard of compassion, and what is the standard of empathy? This is one of the problems that we have in our society right now is without a real standard of what that actually looks like, um, you're going to get tossed to and fro by other people's opinions. They're going to say, oh, that hurt me. You said that. That hurt my feelings, right? And and so well, the compassionate thing then would to be um, to never say anything that's confrontational. Never stand up and say the truth because if you're a Christian, what you know Uh, you should know this for certain, is that the truth is confrontational. Um, Jesus said, I came with a sword. I did not come to bring peace, but I came with a sword. There's confrontation that happens when the truth is is proclaimed. And so here they have, okay, we're for compassion and empathy, but what does that look like? Well, Christianity actually has a standard for that. What does compassion and empathy, well, rather sympathy, what does that look like? It, It looks like Jesus, he is the per- personification of, of compassion. He is um, compassion in the flesh. He is he is sympathy towards um, his, his creatures in the flesh. And not only that, Jesus is wisdom. He is the personification, the manifestation of wisdom. And so you go to this satanic temple, what is their standard? They don't have one. And so it's forever a moving target. How are you going to train your kids in that, right? How do you set up a standard and say, we're going to educate you in this system? Now you might say, well, this, that's not part of, of the, um, the public school, uh, curriculum. And I would say, yes, it is. Um, I I talked to a, uh, a family, a Christian family that has their child in public school, third, let me say, I think a third grader, third or fourth grader up to this point in third or fourth grade, they have not had any history, no history, no, no general world history, no general um, uh, Western civilization, no, not even like state history, um, sort of basic things. Now, history is an important thing. Um, you don't know where you're going unless you know where you came from. Um, that is an important thing. That's one of the reasons why there's so much history in the Bible. You read the Old Testament, it's, it, it reads a lot like a history book. It's because it's important to know where you come from. Now, what's happened in this public school is they have replaced um this history about Western civilization and world history, they've replaced it with social studies. And so what is being taught is this um, uh, a, a s- sort of generic and I want to say just super vague um, in, in the social sciences tenets that they need to to, to be about that you need to be um, to, to be empathetic, that you need to be compassionate, um, that you need to be inclusive. Uh, there was one other thing that you need to, um, inclusive, compassionate, ah, I can't, it's not coming to me right now, but you kind of see, you can see these things here. Now, again, they're not attached to Christ. Um, Those things, detached from Jesus, don't make sense. There's no standard. There's no objective reality of what these things actually look like. And so it's forever a moving target. And then, because it's a moving target, what is that? That's sort of fodder for the fire uh, of this wokeism, this liberal left-leaning curriculum that's basically pumping kids up to move towards more of a Marxist and and, and socialistic ideology, which are dangerous and anti-Christian. They're anti-God. God, they they aren't just you know another option. You can't it, it, Christianity and socialism, Christianity and Marxism are are, are not they, they cannot cohabitate. Um, because they stand for two very different things um, at, at the core centrality. And so here we see this fundamental, the first fundamental t- tenet of, of Satanism, uh, of this secular education, is already creeped into the school system. It's been there, and more and more you see that it's surfacing here with um, a, a lot of this woke... Uh, curriculum that's just being pushed down um, the the throats of kids, and they, and and unless you know as a parent, unless you talk to a teacher and know the curriculum in and out, a kid's not going to be able to tell you uh, what what they're hearing in uh, in their classroom um, because you you bring a kid home from school and say, hey, what you learn today? Oh, I don't know, I can't remember. I you know, I forgot. They're not going to be able to tell you that. As a parent, you have to be able to go back, and if they're in the public school, for sure, and this is becoming more and more crucial, that that you, you if you want your kid, if, if public school is the only option that you have, and you want your kid um, to be raised in the church and, and grow up and still love Jesus, but by, the come, by the time they end their secondary school or go to college, you have to be able to backfill and to correct what is being taught in the schools. It's absolutely necessary. Necessary that you cannot rely on your teachers or the curriculum uh, to do that for you, and so it, it requires a great deal of extra work of unteaching and reteaching um, your kids how to think from a biblical perspective um, about these things like compassion and empathy and diversity and inclusion. That was the other one, diversity. Um, uh, otherwise, it they're just set up uh, to to be swept away by the cultural trends. The second tenet, they say, is struggle for justice is an ongoing and necessary pursuit that should prevail over laws and institutions. Basically, they're, they're saying um, in some ways they're anarchists, that if we think, and again, they have no standard of justice, they have no... Like where do they get it from? Where where do right and wrong come from? They have nothing that uh, that that they say this is the foundation. This is what we build our ideals on. They don't have that. They're they're, they're without a foundation. And so again, very subjective. And then basically they're saying the struggle for je- for justice, which is subjective, um, it we have permission then to to become anarchists to prevail over laws and institutions if, if we don't like it. We can turn over the tables, um, which is is chaos. That 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 will bring upon a society chaos and will bring to it the destruction of, of that, um, uh, of that 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 institution or uh, the society. Number three, tenant number three. One's body um, is inviolable, is that the right word? Subject to one one's own will alone. So they're saying, here it is, what's the anthem? My body, my choice, right? Who's saying that? People who want to abort babies, right? That That's the left-leaning um, pro-abortion. Um, and, and you want to talk about pagan worship, there, there is no better representation of pagan worship uh, uh, than to sacrifice your children. And that's what abortion is. And that's what they're saying here, that we're cool. If you want to kill your unborn baby, we're cool with it. Now, the irony of this, which just makes me want to run my head into a wall, is that the— um, the Satanic Temple has come out with a public pr- position that everybody should get vaccinated, regardless of your medical history or if you've you've had natural um, e- immunization. That whether it means you've been exposed to COVID, or had COVID, um, and you have naturally recovered. Everybody needs to be vaccinated. So they're making so right here they're defeating their own tenant, which shows you the absurdity of this that they cannot even hold their own tenets. Um, and so it's subject to my own body. Well, they say, nope, you need to go get vaccinated because we say so, because we think it's a public matter of public... Uh, health issue. And then they claim science and say, okay, well, listen, guys, if you're going to claim science, we need to, to work through some science because there's a lot of science here that that's proving that vaccines are not everything that they're cracked up to be. And um, specifically natural uh, immunity that's 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 generated from having COVID and recovering from COVID puts you um, in a better position that when you face it again. So, all right, let's go to the science books again here. I guess they don't do that number 4 the freedoms of others should be respected including the freedom to offend okay which they're they're doing that and and i think that um that that's something that as Christians we should care about. We should be able to offend people by speaking the truth. Now, as Christians, Paul tells us to speak the truth in love, especially to our brothers and sisters uh, in in Christ, that that's who our speaking our truth in love is directed to. But there are things that the Christians of our society need to stand up and say offensive, truthful things that are going to shock the rest of uh, the society. For example, a trans woman is not a woman. That's something that Christians should be able to say. All love is not love. That's something. God is love. That's something that Christians should be uh, willing to offend people to say. Christians should be okay with offending people if it is the name in the name of truth. Um, and and by God's grace, we have the freedom whether the the government allows us to do that, whether we have freedom of speech or not, which we're thankful for freedom of speech. But Jesus, uh, in His lordship, gives us not just the freedom to, but commands us to be offensive when we're speaking about the truth. And so when uh, the, the tenet continues to willfully and unjustly encroach upon the freedoms of one another is to, to forego uh, one's own, which when it comes to Christianity and talking about religious liberties, there, there are some things um, that, that, you know, if we want to be able to participate in, um, in in the way that we want to organize in, in life and worship, that we're going to have to kind of— um, be okay with that being uh, plausible for other, and that, and then that's why. Uh, we're in a pluralistic society, making exceptions, making uh, concessions for everybody uh, to do their own thing, and that's why we've got a lot of this stuff going on. Um, But for Christians, one of our hopes, like, it's not wrong for us to hope for a Christendom, uh, for a society that is swept up into the gospel, that is bought into the lordship of Jesus Christ, that takes the Bible seriously and doesn't go with the woke culture, and, and try to show how in with it that we can be, and sort of adopting, um, the, the wicked ideologies of the culture. Um, so we, 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 we're going to have to, you know, that's something that Christians can, can probably get on board with, with this tenet here. Um, but at the same time, we can hope for Christendom. Uh, that's number four. Number five, belief should conform to one's best scientific understanding of the world. So here, um, listen, science can only tell you what's there. Uh, it, it can only give you quantifiable information. Um, it, it cannot tell you about love. It cannot tell you about morality. Science is limited in its scope, and here they want to take science and, and make it this generally uh, applied thing that governs all of life. It can't. It's not designed to do that. Um, and so they they make basically science, which again they they say this, but they're they're hypocrites. Um, that one's best scientific understanding of the world should take uh, one should take care never to distort scientific facts facts to fit into one's beliefs, which is what they're doing, uh, especially when it comes to COVID. Uh, and so, what kind of tenet is that? These are again. It's not a matter of of um, whether you have some sort of ideology, whether you have some sort of um, framework uh, for fundamental truth, um, but but what is it that is fundamental truth? And they're choosing to hang their hat on the limited scope of science. Now, I'm not anti-science. Science is great. I love biology. You you can find me all day. One of my favorite shows is The Riot and the Dance. I love. Uh, scientific discovery and 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 biology and all of those things I'm into that and as Christians we ought to be into that too because just as God communicates um, through his words he, he communicates through creation which is his spoken word he, he spoke and it became um, and so we can learn from that we're not Christians are not anti-science but but that's kind of the the caricature that the scientific uh, the Satanic Club is is proposing that science that Christians are anti-science just simply untrue um, and pretty careless um their sixth tenant people are fallible if one makes a mistake one should do its best to rectify and resolve any harm that might have been caused yes Christians can do that can agree with this people are fallible um I am fallible there there's a chance that I may have misspoke here in this podcast and there's a chance that I misspake missp- misspoke, misspoke misspake uh I can't even say that word right I'm infallible in that sense We all do it. We're all fallible. We're we're not denying that. But we will say, as Christians, the Word of God is infallible. The Word of God is absolute truth. The Word of God is, is the final arbiter on all matters. Um, and when it comes to making a mistake, that if I misrepresent the t- truth, if I if I live out of line of God's word, then yes, I will make mistakes. We call that sin. That's a biblical category. It's not a not a big scary thing that Christians need to be uh, avoiding. That word. Um, and and there's an antidote for that. It's called repentance. It's a turning away from. Um, and part of re- uh, repentance might be uh, making restitutions. It might be making things right. For example, Zacchaeus, the tax collector, um, he was sinning again. He was taking advantage of his fellow uh, Israelites, uh, his Hebrews, taking extra money um, on behalf of the government, pocketing himself, and, and Jesus comes, he forgives him, uh, and, and he experiences the grace of Jesus, and Zacchaeus uh, repents, he turns from his sin, and Jesus says, hey, here's what you got to do now, you need to go back and, and, and give, I think, was it fourfold or sevenfold? what you've taken. And so he does. He, he makes um, those rectifications to right the wrongs that he did. There is a category for that in the Christian faith. That's something that we, we would agree with. And then, number seven, every tenet is, is a guiding principle designed to inspire nobility in action and in thought. So here, there's almost a claim for virtue of, so, of sorts, nobility, and action and in thought. Um, they're, they're, what they hope to espouse is this continuity between what we profess, between orthodoxy, orthopraxy, again, Christianity. We ought be about this that that there should be some congruency between uh, what we what we think and say and what we do, um, and in there there is nobility, there is virtue, there is character, and and it, here they espouse the spirit of compassion, wisdom, and justice should always prevail over the written or spoken word, and here again this is something that Christians should. Um, take offense to and and disagree with is that the spoken word um, and and the written word, the spoken word being Christ, the the word made flesh, um, and and the written word of the scriptures is what tells us what compassion, wisdom, and justice uh, actually is, what it is objectively, not in some sort of subjective way. And so you go through these seven tenets, um, and and what you should see is that this is already in the school system. Um, This is... This is something that um, this is something that that has long been um, part of the curriculum, and and it's not dressed up in the satanic, you know, language. But listen, this is what you have to understand is is um, secular education is is like an offshoot of satanic education. Um, I I don't think that that any teacher any Anybody is really advocating for uh, the worship of Satan. Um, I'm giving them maybe the benefit of the doubt. I don't think the public school is advocating for Satanism and wanting to. But that that's the reality of what's going on is with our curriculum, um, with with the things that are being taught um, in the school. It, it's it's not coming from a Christian perspective, and, and it's not neutral. There's no such thing as neutral. And so as we think about the Satanic Club and what it's opened up as far as the after-school program goes, and what's been introduced or introduced or at least put in front of of kids and say, Hey, this is something that's going on. And if you want to participate, you can participate. But it's also showing us, uh, some other dangers of the public schools is that the schools has their hand tied. They can't say no to any organization that wants to get in. And, and I understand why public education, public money, you know, government funded, they, they have to allow, but as, as parents, um, you want to have an authority figure that can put their foot down and say no to something that is wrong. Um, And the school simply can't do that. Um, that's a concern. The other thing is realizing that this, the, the tenants of this after-school um, Satan club have long been part of the school curriculum, not dressed up in Satanism, not dressed up in this overtly religious language, but it is in the secular ideologies that runs contrary to an education that is informed by the Word of God, right? The padilla, the instruction of the Lord, which is what we as Christian parents are charged to bring our children up into, have a have a comprehensive understanding of the world and how it relates to the Word of God and the Lordship of Christ. That's what a biblical worldview is, and kids cannot get that in the public school. If your kids in public school, you got to do a lot of legwork. Now, what I want to suggest to you that as the schools are trending more and more and more into this this the vein of secular education, that's more and more in cahoots with the tenets of Satanism. Um, and other secular things, even if you don't use the word Satanism. It's in cahoots with that. Um, it's anti-Christian. It's anti-God. No matter how you try to frame it up, it's the case. It's not neutral, guys. It's not a neutral education. It is anti- God And so there's a a call to arms here for Christian parents, not just because of the the after-school Satan Club. That's not really what I'm concerned about. Um, I I think that there's going to be a very small amount of attendance there. And I think that right now in the public schools, there's more Christian representation by these after-school Bible, the Good News Clubs and the... um, the clubs at 180 is hosting, and many other churches have after-school programs. I'm not concerned about the, the satanic temple sort of running the gamut and taking the market on these after-school programs. I'm not as concerned about the. What I am concerned is about is the fact that the secular ideology has long been in the school system, and a lot of people are unaware a lot of parents are sending kids off not knowing what their kids are learning about it and how it is detached from Christ. And, and the problem one is uh, you don't have an extra eight hours in the day to go back and correct everything else that they've learned that day. Um, you don't know for sure what's being taught in the curriculum, in the cl- classroom. And again, like even think of this you go through the parking lot of a public school, uh, a public school, uh, government school, and you look at the bumper stickers that are represented, you're gonna see all kinds of woke. Uh, liberally sort of stuff represented on those bumper stickers of your teachers that are behind that. And I know that there are Christians in the school system. I know that there are Christian administrators, but they are not the majority. And and they are even limited. Those Christian educators are limited in how and when they can talk about Jesus. They cannot introduce it into this general speaking thing. They can't round out kids' education by connecting all matters, whether it be mathematics or or the social sciences or history or or um or even technology. They can't they can't connect back to Christ and complete the children's education, they have their hands tied, which is something that we should be concerned about as parents and be asking, is this the right place for us to be sending our kids? And I don't think it is. I'm going to come out there that's partly my opinion, and I can I can argue for it from Scripture um, in coming at it from the Deuteronomy six position about how we ought to educate our kids um, and what it means to, to in Matthew or excuse me in Luke, uh, no, what am I talking about in in Ephesians chapter five and six when it talks about parents bringing up your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord that that is the whole of education that education is meant to be a piece of a child's discipleship not it's not a separate it's not a separate category. It outside, operates outside of religious, um, religious function. It is very much a religious thing. And so, uh, again, no education is, is is neutral. It all has a religious tint. It's a matter of what religious tint is it? Is it a secular religious tint, um, which is a religious tint? Is it a um, you know is it a Catholic religious tint? Is it a Mormon religious tint, or is it a Christian? Is it a biblical religious tint? Um, and we have to have that. That that in our minds now, I think that the more we discuss this, the more that we as Christians need to start coming up with created creative solutions. We need to start asking ourselves, um, is is um, is public school the right choice for our our kids to be going? Is that is that where we want to do? We want to put our kids back in the hands of Caesars, uh, and 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 if we do that, if we do put our kids in the hands of Caesars, uh, we should not be surprised when we get. Um, Caesar militant kids coming out of the education system. Shouldn't be surprised. Um... We don't want to do that. We want to keep our kids. We want to we want to be faithful to the calling the Lord has placed on us as parents. And so, exploring some of these other options, such as Christian education, Um, and that can happen in pub or private schools. Um, I think that there is a need. I've been actually I was in communication with somebody else um, last week that is wanting to open up another Christian school. Um, We do already have a a handful of them, but there is a need for more Christian schools in our city. Um, There's a high demand. Because more and more parents are seeing uh, and be, uh, their eyes opened up to the reality of what's going on in the public schools, what's going on with the curriculum, what's going on with this wokeism stuff, what's going on in the liberal left-leaning poll that's going on. Um, and, and and it's leaving our kids uh, detached from reality. And so there is a need for Christian schools. um that, that's what we currently do. That's not the only option for Christian education. Another very good option, and, and I, I think that it might be if you can do it, if you can swing it, it might be the best option, is to homeschool. That way, you know exactly what your kids are being taught. You can help them form not just not just um, not just give them facts in their mind, but help shape them in a very comprehensive way to become God fearing and loving kids that walk in the statutes of the Lord as they have been instructed. And so, more and more, I think that we, especially as a church that has a lot of um, parents, young families at the demographic at the age demographic now, where we're thinking about what are we going to do in the next school year, whether kids are starting to go to kindergarten or preschool or into first grade and what they're going to do. I think this is a a very important conversation to be having that, um, that matters. It matters a heck of a lot and, and I, I care deeply about this this is something that I'm, I'm going to be talking about more and I want to provide more and more opportunities to have this discussion and so if you have questions about this um, if you're looking for resources if you're looking um, to, to to gain a better understanding of what it means to have a, a biblical worldview and help help our children develop a biblical, biblical worldview for themselves um, I, I want to lean into this and I think that this this whole after-school Satan club has really um, kick-started this discussion um, in and, and said, "Hey, what's going on in the public schools?" And so, with that in mind, I, I just want to I want to uh, put that in your lap for you to mull over and think about, um, to to start thinking critically from a biblical worldview, and and again, coming at it from a place of humility. Um, I'm asking you to trust me, not not just my opinion. I I can I can go through. I can. I can um, argue from the scriptures and say, uh, here's the biblical vision of what education is. I'd be happy to sit down and talk more about that. In fact, I'm, I'm hoping to do several podcasts on this matter as we start thinking in this this way. And so I know I'm coming up on an hour here. I've been jabbering for a while. Hopefully this has been um, helpful for you in thinking about it and, and maybe in some cases revealing to what's going on in and seeing some of this the secular ideology and how it's infiltrated the school. And so it's no longer dominated by a Christian assumption. It's now dominated by secular worldview, secular assumptions. And what we want to do with our kids is to give them uh, a right understanding Understanding of God, of who they are, and what the world is like under the Lordship of Jesus, and education is a huge piece of that. I'm curious to hear what you might have to think, think about this. You know, if you want to talk over coffee, happy to do that. Um, just reach out to me. Most of you know how to get a hold of me. Let's have that talk. Let's open up the dialogue, and uh, and I want to hear more about what you want to hear about on the topic of education. Um, bring me your questions. What what what's something um, that you're wrestling through? If you're, you've already been thinking about that, and I'll be happy um, to work through those things with you. Um, I love you guys. I care a lot about you, and my hope is to um, help us to think more biblically about this, especially as we're in, in in. This is one of the conversations as we were in our year of feast to flourish that that. I think it's it's paramount that we have a biblical um, working understanding, a working understanding of biblical um, ideas, uh, ideologies here in order to tackle these very important topics. Um, And so I I pray that uh, this is helpful in moving the ball forward in that regard. I'm going to wrap it up. I love you guys. Can't wait to see you on Sunday. Have a great rest of your week.